Welcome to The Future is Female Powerlifting, a show where women of all strengths can explore the world of female powerlifting. I am your host, Heidi Donnell, a 60-kilo powerlifting gym owner, and each episode we bring you an inspiring interview or a message to help you unlock your true inner strength potential. Thanks for tuning in. Aloha, my beautiful friends, and thank you for joining me for episode 21. And, you know, I got a special thing to announce to all of you because we have so many fantastic interviews lined up. And to be honest, it was because all of you were chiming in on the type of people you wanted to hear. Um, When I put it in the story, I'm like, who do you guys want to hear? I mean, you guys, I, I can't even believe how many people chimed in. And because of that, tons of women responded back to me and said, I would love to join the show. So um, I thank you guys for that because your involvement always helps us grow, um, makes us more of a community, gives us all, you know, area to, to connect and hear each other's voices. So for the pretty much for the summer, I'm going to be launching one every week, um, you know, which is what I'd love to do. Um, so every Thursday, be on the lookout for a new episode. And today we have a very special guest who hails all the way from California and has a damn law degree, ladies. I fucking love it. Miss Melissa Fulgencio, who is from Uplift Law, her own company. She is a CEO and a founding member of this fantastic practice that she just put in place. Um, so, at, you know, when we're talking on the show, um, she hadn't launched her website yet. She was just you know, really kind of taking off, um, doing her law, practicing law on her own. And now she's up and running and killing it. Now she's been a lawyer for many years now and decided to go and do her own thing because she really, she really felt passionate about pursuing and helping people in these areas that, um, maybe were, uh, underrepresented by females as well. Um, and she sort of carved out this small little niche for herself in powerlifting, <laughs> purely based because she's a powerlifter. And she's been really able to help um, so many people in the powerlifting industry, so many small businesses, gyms, people who are personal trainers. Um, so I love that this episode brought um, so much knowledge I had no fucking clue on <laughs> Melissa really gets into sort of the nitty gritty of law and um, it was a great discussion that I never have. And I'm, I, you know, I mean, how many lawyers do I know? Um, maybe you guys know a lot. I don't. And so it was really eye opening um, when she talks about different practices, what you can expect, why she chose to go into law and why she decided to really focus in the areas that she is focusing in right now um, and how she can help small businesses and people like you who are maybe looking to uh, expand as a fitness business. And at the end, we totally talk about some powerlifting and her struggles um, trying to shed some of this fat after bulking um, because, you know, she used to be before she started powerlifting morbidly obese. So you're going to hear a little bit about this the story of hers where she came, uh, how she discovered powerlifting and how really um, it led her down this path of, you know, being on primetime on USAPL, which, as you know, is a really big thing. I mean, she 
talks about warming up next to Marissa Enda in, in awe, and I would be too. So uh, definitely stay till the end. You get to hear a little bit about what her training is like. And I would like to read um, two reviews that you all left um, from this last two weeks. And one was from Silent Hill Girly on iTunes. And she said, very informative post, definitely knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Thank you for all the great informa information. I'm sure it was a typo, but you know what? He, she, they, them. I'm with you, girl. Thank you for the review. And also to Grape AD, who um, I got to connect with on Instagram as well. My coach, Julia Ladewski, who is also my coach, was on the show, so I subscribed, and this is one of my favorite podcasts now. Everything is deep, vulnerable, and so inspirational. I love how each interview shares empowerment. Some of the interviews take a, uh, take a few drives to and from work, but they are so worth it. This is truly a gem. Thank you so much, Grape Ape. I love it. Um, and thank you guys for reaching out and, you know, taking screenshots when you listen to the shows and sharing with your fucking friends. Like, I love that because, um, you know, I like this word of mouth. It really gets around because of you guys. And I really appreciate all that you do um, to grow, grow the show. And of course, the episode is brought to you by my gym, Core Strength and Performance in Huntsville, Alabama. And if you're looking to improve your strength, are you looking for powerlifting? Um, if you're looking just to be a little bit better, you know, shed some pounds, gain some muscle, live life a little stronger, we can help you with that. So you can visit us at www.core256.com. You can also find us on Instagram at uh, Core SNP. And let's get in with melissa so how's everything going um you know everything's going good i'm actually going to be 34 tomorrow tomorrow yeah shut up you're so young i love it no, yeah God. dude i mean i guess in the world of powerlifting <laughs> you're just right up there you know yeah i'm i'm like grandma style. i'm like grandma yeah. age I, I started thinking about my friends that graduated law and I think when they graduated, they were almost 30, you know, by the time they, you know, got to do everything and started finishing what they wanted and kind of were mm -hmm. really pursuing a career. And I was thinking to myself, like, wow, like th that just, it just takes a long time. Yeah, I think that um, doing all of that, like you can, you can have it all, but it's not all at once. Yeah. It's like staggered. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I can understand that. And so right now we're... Right now, you're at your cool counsel's office. Yeah. Okay, so how does that yeah. work? Because I am, like, not in the lawyer law. I have no idea how it all works when it comes to you practicing law. So do you have your own office for Uplift Law? And how does that normally work for you? No, you know, actually, I don't. I am – I can work from my own um, place. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm here sharing, you know, when Brianna, my co-counsel, when she needs, you know, some stuff, like when we're collaborating, I come here. But everything can be done remotely, yes. like Dropbox, email, etc. That's awesome, because I was reading that article. And that was something that you really pushed. And, um, you know, of course, we're already recording because that's how I like to do it. But um, I read that you, you know, that you encourage women to seek this field because it is something that you can do from home. It's like, you know, you can do exactly what you're saying. You can work remotely. There's a lot that you can do from, 
from your own home. So that's a lot of what you're doing. So like you're the organizing and behind the scenes that a lot of that stuff can be done, I guess, wherever is what you're saying. Yeah, because at the end of the day, what I do, I mean, we're litigating. So we're writing and we're filing and then we show up to court. Right. When we do need questions answered from the client, we, you know, email the client, um, get on the phone, text, whatever. Wow. That's easy. I mean, not easy, but it's easier to be remote with that kind of, uh, that kind of job. Yeah. So what made you get into law? You know, to be honest, um, I had always had a love of reading and, um, you know, my dad essentially was like, you are just so argumentative. (laughs) And so from a young age, um, he had already kind of positioned me to try and pursue that. So actually, um, when I started UCI and I'm a little bit different because I went straight. And so, um, when I went into UCI, I double majored in English and in pre-law political science. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's all history. The only thing that's really changed is my disciplines, um, in the practice. Yeah. So I'd I'd love to get into that because I thought one of the, you know, the great conversations we had prior was how you really wanted to pursue these three disciplines. You know, when you started uplift law, which is your practice, you know, you, you wanted to go in this route because you felt that that was something not a lot of women for one are in right in this area. Um, and, and you had a passion for it. So tell us a little bit about like uplift law and what it is for you and why that you decided to go that route. So I think that a lot, what I'm seeing in, and I can only speak to in Southern California, LA County, Orange County, Riverside County, the names and the vibe of law firms is very masculine oriented. Like when you see a law firm, it's always the name of a male partner, like, you know, Schumann and Schumann or, you know, law offices of William Fitch or something mm-hmm. like that. Oh my gosh, William Fitch, I remember that. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, I read somewhere that, um, uh, females are still not at the top in terms of, um, being, top partners, top litigators, like it's always kind of the men who take lead. So Mm -hmm. in terms of uplift, like I didn't want my name to be on there. Of course, I'm a founding attorney, but I want uplift to mean something more like trend, like a, I don't even know if it's like a brand more like a, um, an embodiment of a different kind of service and a different kind of attorney. Yes. And instead of something super masculine, the logo is lady justice and she's not like rigid either. I mean, she's still, she's a lady and, um, the colors are a little bit, they're serious, but not like your standard blue and red. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's like a, it's like a deeper purple. Yeah. Mommy color. Mm -hmm. And the concept of uplift is, really to collaborate with the client and in, and as we talked about initially collaborating with the client in in terms of putting the walls down yeah 
I mean, we were educated and we, the, the longer you're in practice, the more you garner. And that's, that's why they call it the practice because no lawyer, um, well, a good, humble lawyer shouldn't be thinking that they're already amazing because even now in seven years, like I'm still messing up learning. And so I, I want uplift to be proud of, um, being feminine, being compassionate and collaborative. And in and of, in those ways, it's still strong. And I came from male dominated, uh, firms where, that sort of approach was weakness. Right. And if you, yeah. And if you weren't just wanting to kill the other side and be not civil to your opposing counsel and not just, you know, more masculine, that was incompetence. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not true. So essentially being a female, was almost like not looked uh, like uh, good upon. Right. And so uplift is, you know, male, female, but just um, discarding these stereotypes and celebrating uh, what a client really wants, which is competence, but compassion. Right. Right. And I thought counselor in both, um, both meanings. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that that was interesting because you had talked about that, the type of law that, you know, when you started getting into that, you really did see that, you know, so that it was dominated by not only dominated by males, but the, the accepted or maybe even, um, validated behavior is what you're talking about, right? So it's that, that guy that's going to be outspoken, who's going to like lash out at the co-counsel and not the co-counsel, but the, you know, the opposite and kind of be that that stand where um, if you were more civil, maybe you're more put together or you maybe weren't as loud or boisterous, that wasn't necessarily the best. And so I thought what was interesting was that we had talked about how you do find that other women, in order to almost stay in that competitive field because that's what the norm is, you find that some women almost act like that and they, they have to sort of embody that. And I, I was saying the same thing about military, um, police, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that say the same thing where I, and I don't know if they even notice it, you know, um, but they, they start behaving in that way that's accepted. And sometimes it's in a way that's sort of ugly or maybe even overly masculine, right. Yeah. In order to compensate. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I, I honestly, whoever as uplift grows, um, whoever wants to be a part of it, like, I don't care, um, how you are just as long as the service is the same. Right. And the service needs to be not a holier than thou. Um, because I find people are when, when they come to the, the type of attorney that I am, I'm a litigator, so I don't actually prevent like problems. I get called when the problem has occurred and it's serious. So right. when the shit hits the fan, yeah. that's when you call a litigator. Right. And 
um, they want clients want um, attorneys to know how intimate the problem is. Yeah. So it's just as long as you're that as long as you're servicing your client in that way, being with your client versus here, because a client is thinking about their issues. They're already um, intimidated by the entire process. It just, it's even like more intimidating when you're hailing a client to a cold conference room, you're presenting this huge amount like retainer agreement right. and <laughs> you, you don't speak to your client. And so all of these things have really made the practice of law, the type of, of practices that I engage in, uh, really inaccessible. Yeah. So I could see that almost a little cold <laughs> and everything too. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be hard. I, I, I know as a woman, when I've had to deal with certain, um, law or anything that had to do in that manner, you already feel a little lost in the first place. And so to have somebody that I think like yourself, who, you know, the basis of your company really is to be compassionate and to listen to your client and be there for them. Um, it's, it's a different approach and I, and I love it. And I, I noticed that, you know, you said, um, that uplift law is three types of practices. So it's three things that you really, um, focus on, which is bi- business litigation and mm-hmm. employment law and civil rights. Can you get into what those three would be? So, um, when I started in my practice, that first one business litigation is my most comfortable. So I will form the business in terms of secretary of state filings, like whatever you want to be. Do you want to be a limited liability company? Uh, Do you want to be a partnership? Do you want to be incorporated? The imagine like an idea and you are like, okay, I want to be a legitimate business. So let's start it up. And we, the first step is creation. Um, then when you start up this, your company and I, I, um, love small midsize and that's probably because I still want to keep that, uh, connection. Right. So when you start up, there's all kinds of, um, things that an employer or an owner needs to be wary of. Like, am I going to have employees? Am I going to put them on payroll? Are they going to be independent contractors? Mm-hmm. Um, am I going to have a handbook? Am I, you know, do they get rest breaks, things of that nature? Yeah. And then, you know, as a business grows, it naturally is subject to, you know, uh, certain, um, risks, a risk of lawsuit, you know, right. like for example, I always have like, I'm seeing this more and more young people who, start up these businesses, which is great because the, the, um, accessibility to start a business is greater because of social media Yeah, and they hook up young people, very smart. They hook up and they decide, you know what, let me start a partnership. And I always advise that a partnership is like, um, a marriage. And so it's easy to start. It's easy to get married in California and it's easy to start up a business in California, extremely difficult to divorce in California and dissolve a partnership. In really? California. I didn't know that. 
Very, very difficult. Mm. Um, and so you want to get in business with, you know, I have seen the worst in people when it comes to money. Money yeah. is truly the um, epitome of evil sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. I, I always tell these from young to to old, like put your agreements in writing. Yeah. You know, I know we're friends. You guys are friends right now. But um, that dynamic changes just like when you tell a young couple madly in love, like, you know, when, Oh, when you live together, watch, that is absolutely true. Yeah. When you are friends and you start, you have this shared passion and then you start doing the business things change. Yeah. And so the point is, you know, as a business grows, it is subject to risk, subject to litigation, whether it's, you know, an employee who, um, it hurts themselves on the job and needs like to take a uh, sick time. Right. And then, you know, needs accommodation for, uh, you know, like an injury or something of that nature right. or an employee who sues, you know, like the business because they claim, um, harassment. So in that way, I advise, businesses. Okay. I, I keep, I form them, I maintain them and I protect them. Very naturally comes employment law. Okay. And for employment law, I'm, you know, I do wage an hour and employment laws. Okay. So I also understand the plaintiff side. So I understand what the employee is looking for when they sue, um, a company. Right. So I sit in a very um, interesting position because I advise my business, my small businesses, this is what you do to not get sued because I sue people <laughs> like you. Yeah. So I know. Right. And, How um, to cover your ass pretty much. Right. Right. And because I, the way that I want to ta I tailor my representation, I know that these small businesses don't have time to come to me right. because they're trying to make money. I try and make my access as accessible as possible. Text me, call me, G-chat me, email me, um, you know, like let's keep the communication rolling because what we care about is a result. We don't care about these niceties like, Oh, you know, come into my, come into my conference room or, you know, like, I like that I, approach. That I feel that feels feel so new. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to assert a power play, right. which, uh, you know, is what I've, I've seen in, in my prior experiences with firms, but, um, so I do employment as well. So okay. I, I sue on behalf of employees who have been discriminated, harassed, wrongfully terminated based upon those bases, okay. um, uh, haven't gotten the, their right to, uh, FEMLA or CIFRA, those mm -hmm. sorts of paid and, um, allowed time off. Um, so things of that nature. The last piece that I recently got um, into was uh, civil rights. And that is probably the most in 
intellectually taxing and also emotionally taxing type of law that I've ever um, practiced because it deals with um, constitutional law, right. the whether uh, an individual's rights have been violated under the Constitution. Specifically, um, I see a lot of people who have committed crimes okay mm -hmm. so perhaps they're already in the system mm -hmm. and um you know they are in prison or in jail and officers you know their use of force against them is more than what the constitution allows interesting therefore and differentiating between a criminal attorney i understand that my client committed a crime that's separate. Right. They're in there because God knows what. Right. However, there's also civil rights that need to be protected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't beat the shit out of someone who's just sitting there right. in jail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that must yeah. be a hard one. Like, because probably, you know, you probably get flack at the same time, right? For defending somebody who's a criminal so I'm sure there are people who already say, well, why, you know, almost siding with the CEO or whoever, the police officer yeah. or whoever it is. I'm, I'm sure that's got to be one of those things where it's a little frustrating at the same time. It's really hard because um, the officers are looked upon as being, you know, just people the public just wants to love on officers and yeah. just think like okay this is an officer let me let me do everything that they're saying and there's a lot of power given and not a lot of people understand their rights yeah you know yeah. um as just as human beings yeah. as to you know how they can how they interact with an officer you know yeah. like they think that if an officer just tells you to stop that all right let me stop and you know if an officer's if if you're angry at an officer you can't say anything to an officer mm. um that's not necessarily true so it's um it's definitely very interesting to see the this uh, society's um viewpoint of officers especially when in my role, I feel that there are civil rights being um, violated. Right. So it's it's definitely very interesting, very intellectually taxing because you're looking very at these constitutional um, cases and trying to understand the lines between what's appropriate mm -hmm. and what's a, a complete violation. Wow. So that's interesting because I know, you know, I, I feel like I've... Um, like my ex was it was a cop even Devin was a cop in the military a little different um but it's like you know you see <laughs> both sides you know where they have to deal with so much as police officers and then on the other note you see um where they've abused the law where i know you know where they maybe not in 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 the extreme where they're having to see you, but I've seen many cases. I've heard so many stories where I'm like, okay, that's like totally not okay to do, you know? And like, yeah. it's just one of those things where I'm like, it's okay. So it's, it's, it's hard because there, I'm sure there is a lot of times where they did cross the line and it was too far. Do you have more times that, that happens that, you know, where, what would you I'm say? Always, 
It, yeah, it's definitely hard because, you know, it's it's very legally driven. So I've right. had to, where I feel emotionally sorry for a person um, at the, like, for example, um, we get, and I co-counsel um, on these types of cases just because it's too, it's they're too much to get, they're too litigious actually because our defendant, our adversary, that's typically like the city of LA, right. um, San Bernardino, like these are counties with a lot of resources. So right. they, they have a lot of money to put into like defense. Right. Um, so I, I have to really exercise um, a division between what I feel is just really sad mm -hmm. and what legally um, works. You know, for example, like uh, one potential client that we had to just say, like, no, there's absolutely no way we, any attorney could ever win on this because this guy, you know, he was, God, he was a, a member of a gang and all these gangs like really, um, just meld into my brain, but it, it was a serious gang in LA. And he's just, he had 13 years of going in and out of prison, always trying to like, um, fix his life. And, you know, he was finally on a longer stint of being out of prison and he had to check in with his, um, officer, probation officer and didn't do it. So he's out there, you know, he skipped probation. Mm. So he's, he's absconding. Um, wow. and, uh, the officers see him and, you know, unfortunately people who have been in and out of prison for that long, their psyche is just, I see a cop, I'm going to run. Right. Well, buddy, like, you know, the cops have a reason to, like run after you and arrest you because you saw a cop and then you ran. Yeah. Also you skipped out on, you know, checking in. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately the scuffle turned into him getting you know, beat up significantly by several officers. Wow. Um, the canines also were biting on him. He ended up having like a screwdriver in his pants. So, I mean, uh, when we look at the perspective, the legal standard here is what did the officers know at the time uh, there was a use of force? That's how you measure ex excessiveness. Mm. And so, you know, when we, and that's kind of like, um, the part of being a successful advocate is not only do you want so badly for you to win, but you got to look at the other side. And so if we take what the officer saw at that time, well, I mean, we, we can't beat that. Right. My guy right. was fleeing and, you know, the law doesn't say like, we don't make um, things easier for someone who has like, psyche issues when they right. see a cop they just run because how would they know how right. would the cops know that my guy has ptsd they wouldn't know what yeah. they see is someone with a with someone who just looks at them and runs and then figure and then they find out like hey this guy skipped out and he's got a potentially dangerous weapon that could injure any one of these cops yeah so wow that's crazy <laughs> Yeah. So, 
I feel <laughs> bad for this guy. Right, he right. Tells me he's all tatted up. I look at his his rap sheet, just 15 years, and wow. he swears up and down. You know, I'm I'm trying, and he's yeah. got five baby mamas, ten children, Jeez. just um, you know. But he looks at you, and he, he it's just you question um, society's role in this. You question so many just different angles, and you just as an attorney who's dealing so closely with humanity mm. in this way, right. it's very difficult, right. and. A lot of attorneys don't want to do these types of um, practices, and also they don't want to be as emotionally invested in that way um, because it's hard. I could totally see that. Yeah, I could totally see that because it would be draining. It's it's completely draining and completely... um, frustrating, but I don't know any, and that that's also uplift. Like I have to probably warn anybody who really wants to do this fight, fight the good fight. Like I don't necessarily, even though like I envision uplift growing, like I want it to be with other attorneys, like we're, we're fighting or we're collaborating. If you do it, if you do these three practices, like I want you to be invested, not because at the end of the road, there's a huge pot of money, but invested because you're chasing something else. And maybe that's super naive because God, like one person and one firm can't change all the bad. I mean, that's true. But at least like, I mean, attorneys really should feel blessed that they went to law school past the bar and, you know, can really do a service. Yeah. Um, See, I think my mom should have stayed in law because she could have, I think she would have made an impact in the way that you're kind of describing. Remember, I was telling you, my mom, she went to San Jose State uh, for law school. And actually, that's how we moved to San Jose from Hawaii. So she went to law school there. And then she, you know, before the bar, she was just like, ah, I don't want to be a lawyer. And I was like, really? Like you go through I mean, all that, like, and then you don't want to be no a lawyer. Joke though. It is hard. There is no job security. If you right. do think that you young people out there, if you think, you know what, I'm going to be a lawyer. That does not mean you're going to make the big bucks. Right. I know plenty of lawyers that, you know, don't make any money. Yeah. <laughs> It's not job security. It's not. Well, I could see that though. I mean, really, it's kind of, I would, I would see how a business would need to have a lawyer who would make numbers, right? So you would have to win cases and things like that. So I would think that if you weren't performing in that sense, that maybe you'd be booted out. Yeah. Interesting. For sure. And it's a gamble, right? So right. I, um, on when I do business litigation, I, I do charge hourly, um, but on the employment side and then civil rights, those particular ones, those are contingency. Um, oh, lawyers yeah. treat those types of cases as contingency. So you're fronting the costs and you're working for free, right. quotation marks, until you know, like LA settles with you, for example, or you go to trial and the jury like, um, 
awards you some money, you and your clients some money. And civil litigation takes one to two years. So if you're not picking the right cases, you are not going to make any money. And um, that's not saying like greed, that's just facts. Like if you don't win a case, you can't keep fighting right? because <laughs> you ain't making no money. <laughs> yeah. Wow. One to two years. I never thought about it like that. That's, that's interesting. So you're going to have to have some, some money on your own to be able to front until that. And if you lose, then you don't make anything. Oh yeah. Then, you know, and on top of that, um, the California law is that, Typically, the plaintiff, your client, could be on the hook for costs. So oh, imagine, like, that could be, I don't know, 25 grand in costs oh, at the end of two gosh. years, possibly. That is so crazy. Okay, so what if we say we have a, a young woman who is, you know, deciding to go to law school, also a powerlifter. What would you say is something that uh, maybe some advice for her? I know that you had said that, you know, you can do it all. That's definitely one thing that I thought I would have never thought about that, you know, that to have that freedom, because that's a big thing for me as a mother, you know, like even the job I have now, it's one of those things where I wish I was home more, you know, what yeah. is some advice you would give to a young woman starting in your place? God, I would say, you know, have a come to Jesus discussion with yourself. <laughs> yes, I like it. Number one, like, um, to be, it's very, yeah, you need to have a come to Jesus with yourself because what you're embarking, whatever practice you do, it's going to be three years of your life. That's just law school is like, you're, you, you are trained to just read until you want to throw up and dissect everything. Wow. Um, you, you will, you will abandon any semblance of a personal life in three years. And then when you, when you're able to graduate, if you haven't gotten kicked out, then you, you take the California bar, which is the number one most difficult bar still in the United States. Wow. Um, that, in and of itself, I think is a year, a year to prepare, a, you know, then you take it and then you wait. Um, and then you're in, you're in at a negative value because you've got so much debt. So you need to be okay with that. Yeah. Okay. That you're just going to have like a hundred thousand dollars of debt, yeah. you know, like, totally. but it's secured debt. And then you got to figure out what is it that you want? What, what do you want to do? Do you want to make money? If you want to make money, then, you know, that's, it's going to be really stressful because you're chasing something that's so, uh, I don't know. I, I just couldn't, for me, I would say to these young women, like, don't come into this practice trying to chase money because it will make you sick and you will one day wake up and not want to go to work. Wow. And why do you, why do you say that? Um, I say that because I it it's grueling this mm. the practice of law. <laughs> like you you are dealing with so many adversaries, your opposing counsel, sometimes your client, mm. the judge, the law. And if all you care about is money, like that's that's going to be tough because right. if you care about money, do Wall Street. 
<laughs> you know, like you got to get, you got to have something else. Yeah. I would say that and, I think it, you'd have to have something more meaningful, you know, I think in any profession, some, right. You know, and I could see that more in, in law, especially because you can almost be cold and separated and be like, all right, I'm just doing this, handling that. And I could see how that would get almost a little sad maybe after a while. Yeah. And, you know, for the, for those, um, people who want to do law, um, and don't want to actually have a face client, like a, a body, yeah. they, they do the contracts or they, they're defense attorneys. Like they represent huge companies like Costco mm. and Nordstrom. And so they don't necessarily have a client. If you can be that, then go for it, you know, but, um, I'm, I will just be completely honest. Like I'm biased, like young women out there, like if you are thinking about being an attorney, come to this side because, um, I think, uh, there should be more females trying to do the really difficult types of law, the really like, um, taxing things. And I think that women have, um, a natural ability to multitask and to connect. Mm -hmm. And so they are necessary here in these very, um, challenging types of law. Uh, we have enough, to be honest, we have enough family law attorneys that are female. We do. Yeah. I have no qualms saying that because when I walk in, when I used to walk into family law, um, when I was younger thinking, you know, wanting to experience everything, like there's just, you, you, there's no shortage of female family law attorneys. Mm -hmm. Um, because really there's no shortage of divorces. Right. Uh, that is like, if you want some, some security, like, yeah, like there's divorces up the yin yang here in California. Like you will have some, you will have clients. Um, but I find that to be completely boring. Yeah. Uh, there's no shortage of DAs out there, you know, mm. because the part of the female wants to, you know, nurture, put baddies away and there's, we've got enough female DAs. We've got enough, um, divorce attorneys. What we don't have, we don't have those, uh, female like leaders up in the civil courts, you know? Yeah, totally. So I would say if you want to do that, like definitely talk to a female attorney in, in the practice doing it out in the courtroom, not sitting behind a desk. Yeah. Um, in terms of powerlifting, I mean, that's, if you choose to be a lawyer, I mean, you got to have a healthy outlet and my choice, I forgot, God knows why, but it is powerlifting. Yeah. So we didn't even get into that. How did you even get started with powerlifting? Um, so when, so at a law school and I'm going to show you, and I don't even know if this. I, at a law school in my first year of practice, I became morbidly obese. So I was morbidly I obese. 14. No way. Uh huh. Yeah. And in April 2014. Shut up. That does not even look like the same person. No. Yeah. Yeah. How much did you weigh? I can't even imagine that because you're, you, you compete at like 123. I compete at 114. At 114. <laughs> so I was 185 and I was 
at four foot ten. Really, really unhealthy. Yeah. And so, you know, I wasn't even 30 and I was just on a, like, just unhealthy. Yeah. So I, I needed, I wanted to do something like as rigorous as this, but my body couldn't do it. Like I was pre-diabetic, hypertensive. Um, you know, my doctors were like, you gotta, you gotta lose some weight. And then I found actually, so CrossFit, yeah, I found CrossFit, but then I fell in love with powerlifting because CrossFit introduced me to powerlifting. Yeah. See, I hear that all the time. Yeah. That's so awesome. And then I got hooked with a fitness nutritionist, also female, and I never cut carbs. I did carbs, uh, protein and fat combination of powerlifting. And I lost like 70 pounds. That is and so that crazy. wasn't on a treadmill. Right. Lady. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was some serious lifting. And I, when I lost the weight, I was told, Hey, like you, you have kind of like a skill. And I had this crazy idea, you know, like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm just a lawyer. Like, why don't I try and, you know, be national? That's so, so awesome. For three years, I've been nonstop competing. I started in USPA. My first coach was Susan Salazar. No way. Susan was your first coach. That's so crazy. Susan was my first coach. She got me to elite. And then I moved to Max Aida of Juggernaut. Uh-huh. Yep. He got me to USPA International Elite. And I ended USPA where I thought um, at Worlds 2017 as uh, silver. Wow. So I thought, you know what? I, I did all that. Like, what's next? And then I ran into, um, as Juggernaut um, moved into a different business direction, I hooked up with Zach Bartel. Mm-hmm. And then he had said, you know what, like, why don't you try USAPL? Mm -hmm. And I bet you could be like at the top. And so I was like, you know what, what am, what am I doing? Like, I'm just, (laughs) I'm just (laughs) doing the lawyer thing. And this this could be something. Pish posh. What am I doing? Just doing (laughs) this lawyer thing. (laughs) You know, and it's funny because all the attorneys I know are just like, how are you doing this? Like, what are you, this is crazy. I should put this in perspective. You're 410. You compete at 114. You have like a 280 squat, a 155 bench and like almost a 370 deadlift. Like that is legit. 370 deadlift trying to get to that 400. Yes. I can't imagine. I didn't realize you're 410. So that really, cause I'm five foot. So you're shorter than me. You're a lot lighter than me. And I can't even imagine that. Like that's, that's so crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, so now you're still competing USAPL. I saw you competed last year. So what's the next, what's the next step for you? So I ended 2018 season as I went to run ats and I was a primetime athlete. So that was insane for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That was totally insane for me because who am I? Like, I'm... (laughs) (laughs) 
just and, doing your lawyer thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, you know, I haven't been in this game and I've idolized Marissa Inda for God knows how long. Right. And I nearly lost it when she was warming up in the same area in nationals with me. I mean, good Lord, like, right. you know, and I ended up seventh in the nation. So wow. that was just so back here in 2019, like we're we're ready. Like I um, did my first meet with Zach in this season, took gold and best lifter. Nice. At, uh, end of March. And then we have state champs uh, coming up end of June. So um, I'm a little bit uh, nervous because not like the training is going really well, but because um, my body has Zach has put me through a second phase of bulking, like for little girls, like they just, when you bulk, like, and get all that muscle, like it doesn't want to lose the weight, like the excess weight. So I'm on this calorie deficit and I'm training at this insane level (laughs) at the same time. So it's going to be a ride. So how is that balance for you? So when do you train? Like how often do you train and and let's get into that a little bit. I'm kind of curious because you must have a full schedule yourself as a lawyer. I do. Like I, I have to be very communicative. And I, I had said this, I think, in my story where it's like, you know, if you are truly like trying to do something like competitive, like, and you have a coach, you need to communicate with your coach. I yeah. mean, with Zach, like I tell him everything because, um, my recovery is not always like awesome because mm-hmm. there's times where I'm not sleeping cause I'm working right. or, you know, I'm so stressed that I can't do anything. So right now we found, and your coach has to figure that out. Yeah. And so I train after work whenever that is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll go back to work. So be it. You know, so it's, um, so that's how it works. And I do four days of training and my training is like two to two and a half hours, um, each time. And so, you know, um, I would say like, yeah, you, when I say you can have it all, I don't mean like it's going to be a freaking walk in the park, it's going to be hard and you're going to sacrifice things you don't want to sacrifice and the the end result's going to be like is it even going to happen but you'll get there yeah you just have to be so patient and i tell people like i tell girl women you know there's not a no there's always it's only a not yet yeah so just don't think of a no someone says no no it's not no it's not yet. Yeah. I love that. So, I, you know, and I think it's like, you know, <laughs> probably having to go to law school and all of that, you learn uh, a little more patience and learn to kind of wait and build yourself and know that that there's going to be uh, a reward at the end of the tunnel, which would be in, in powerlifting world and meet and waiting to progress that. So, I mean, I could see that, that, that how the two can mindsets can kind of work with each other. Yeah. And, you know, like in the age of where everything is like, I mean, to me, I feel old because I see all these young lifters out there and I'm hearing their (laughs) lingo and I'm, 
Um, I'm seeing the young attorneys come and I can't understand what they're saying. No, that's crazy. Um, yeah. And I'm just, I'm amazed at like when I grew up, like things were not, right. you know, quick. Yeah. And so I, patience is truly a virtue. So I would, I would really say to young women out there, like, um, you just, you got to keep going. You yeah. just got to, if it's really that important to you, you got to just keep going. Yeah. I think, I think we all wait, we all want, of course, you know, it to be instant or a little bit faster. And I deal that all the time with, with clients who, you know, want their strength to be faster or want their weight loss to be faster, you know, and, and of course there are faster ways of getting to point B. Um, is that long-term? Is that long-lasting? No. Like I'm sure you could train longer and more days and you might be able to get your strength up, um, faster in a shorter amount of time, but how long-term is that going to be, you know, and how, how well are you going to maintain that for years? Probably not very well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely and are one you going to be injured. I mean... Exactly. Right. So all the other <laughs> things that come with it, cause just imagine you already going in, you know, four days a week for several hours and then a lack of sleep. So your recovery, of course, is going to be lower, which means your risk of injury is going to be higher. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, fat loss has got to be a little harder, too, if you're not getting sleep. So that's another added. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's I mean, my body is just fighting me. So I, I'm really like it's it's true. Like you can only do so much. Yeah. Like you got to you got to rest and you got to drink some water. Yeah. <laughs> Basics. That's like what my mom's advice would be. You need to get some sleep and drink some water <laughs> and coffee. <laughs> so what's the next meet for you? What is what is the 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 bet the, the what you're looking for for this year? So I am looking at state champs in the Anaheim um, Convention Center. Okay. Um, we Zach always tells me like we care about your total because we want to get back into nationals, and yeah. I want to get back on prime time and file and hit the podium because I was, I think two and a half kilos from podium, which was fifth place. So I just, you know, top 10 sounds so good, but Jesus top five sounds even better. Oh man. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. And I know that a lot of women can pull from this and I think it's great that we get to hear from somebody like you who not only is a powerlifter, but is a female in, you know, really paving a way in law that I think, you know, like you said, not a lot of people, not a lot of women are pursuing. So I hope, hopefully there are women here who listen to your story and really kind of thought about that. Cause I think that yeah. that's going to be, um, I think there are going to be a lot of new fields for women that are, that they're pursuing. And this is great. Cause I would have never, you know, for me, I know nothing about law. Uh, so I love that. I know you <laughs> and, and you're going to be like, yeah, I always say you need to have a lawyer friend, a doctor friend, a, yeah. like, a pharmacist friend, you know, those kind of people that can kind of give you finance friend, you know, they can give you that advice construction, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's always good to have somebody like a lawyer. And usually it's my mother, my even, you know, 30 years later, she's like, no, you can't do, you know, she'll, she still remembers so many things. And I'm, I, I just think to myself, like, man, I can't even remember my history class in college, which was 15 years ago. I don't know how you can remember law 30 years ago, but. Because law school is not a joke. <laughs> right. I think that's what it is. It, it was intense and, and, you know, she loved it. She did love it. So it's funny. She still uses a lot of that and still applies for yeah. her still today. So I guess it works out, but. 
Melissa, yeah. thank you so much. This has been wonderful. And I will leave all the information for everybody to find you, but you are on um, Instagram and yeah. um, upliftlaw.net. Does that, is that actually? It's not, it's almost up. Okay. So, you know. I'll so, let you know. Sure, sure. Um, well, that will be one location you guys can find her. If not, you can always email her or find her through there. And she's definitely on Instagram. And if you have any questions, of course, you guys can contact me and I can always hook you up if you need somebody who's a legit lawyer who is looking out for your ass. Yeah.